Today on The Matt Wall Show, a school district uses a picture of children sledding without masks on as an excuse to keep schools closed. We'll talk about that. Also, five headlines, including Governor Cuomo deflecting blame for his nursing home scandal and more big UFO news out of the Pentagon. And our daily cancellation will cancel a famous male YouTuber for the crime of appropriation. In this case, uh, he is appropriating pregnancy. So we got to cancel him for that. All of that and much more today on The Matt Wall Show. Now, one of the best uh, win-wins that you can ask for right now is when you can support a company that provides you a valuable service and supports your values in return. Uh, and that's Charity Mobile. Charity Mobile all the way. That is one company that fits the description. Charity Mobile, the pro-life phone company. And the reason they're a pro-life phone company is that 5% of your monthly plan price goes to the pro-life, pro-family charity of your choice. And you get a lot of other perks as well. That, that's the that's the pro-life piece of it and that's and that's it's not just a piece that's what the company is all about uh, when you when you support charity mobile you're helping you're helping to build a culture of life in America um, and in a in a in a in a profound way because this is one thing that we need to do in this culture is to find companies uh, businesses that support our values and to support them so that part is great also it's a great service. Uh, new activations and eligible accounts get a free cell phone with free activation and free shipping. There's no contract, there's no termination fees, there's no risk with a 30-day guarantee. So you might as well give Charity Mobile a shot. You got nothing to lose, nothing to risk. Uh, live customer service based right here in the USA, and that's really important as well. Plus you get free usage alerts, you get a free app to monitor your usage and pay your bill and a lot more. All of this while again, and plus the nationwide service on America's largest and most reliable 4G LTE network, all of that while, again, supporting a pro-life company. If you want to be a part of this, and you do, call them at 1-877-474-3662. That's 1-877-474-3662. Or chat with them online at charitymobile.com. So a few weeks ago, we discussed how an epidemic of child suicides in the Las Vegas area had pushed um, that school system to accelerate its reopening. Now we have a similar story, this time out of San Francisco. As the Daily Wire reports, quote, an alarming number of San Francisco students have committed suicide as a result of the prolonged coronavirus lockdowns, according to a lawsuit filed by the city against the school district on Thursday. The Associated Press uh, reported that the lawsuit filed by San Francisco City Attorney Dennis Herrera includes, quote, alarming testimony from hospitals in the Bay Area, doctors and parents on the emotional and mental harms of extended distance learning. Then we hear from a parent, uh, Allison Arif, the mother of a 15-year-old daughter, is quoted in the lawsuit as saying she found her daughter, quote, curled up in a fetal position, crying next to her laptop at 11 a.m., that she often cries, cries during the day. Arif added that her daughter is frustrated and losing faith not just in the school district, but in the world. And this is an issue that we've been tracking on this show for months now. It's not confined to Las Vegas and San Francisco. It's nationwide. In fact, there was one story out of Texas. A 12-year-old boy uh, was found hanging. His, his nine-year-old sister found him hanging only a few days before his 13th birthday. His father says that the child was, quote, sad and lonely and was driven to this point because of the lockdowns. And it's just unthinkable. By the way, this tragedy with the, with the, uh, with, with the child, with the 12-year-old boy, happened in April. April. In April, after just a month or two, kids were already at this point. Now you tack on another nine, 10 months on top of that. 
Yet many schools are finding any reason, desperately searching for any reason to stay closed. So listen to the latest here. This, this is almost hard to believe. A mother in New Jersey was, was angry, as many parents are, that schools in, the, in her area were refusing to reopen. So she sent many messages to the superintendent expressing her frustration. This prompted the assistant superintendent to respond finally with an email. In the email, he gives his reasons for keeping the schools closed, no matter the psychological effects that it's having on the kids. And he actually places the blame partially on the mother herself and, by extension, on her kids. He writes, quote, this is part of the email. He says, for instance, we know that parents and students are not following the same CDC guidelines that you continue to share with us that detail the importance of social distancing and mask wearing. Case in point. We were provided a number of photos that illustrate the precise reason our school community remains in phase one. As you can see from the attached photos, you and four other adults appear in close proximity without a mask. Further, the, school, the photo illustrates 16 children all in close proximity without masks. Bottom line, we will not subject our school community to the potential risk and exposure that results from the blatant failure to follow the same guidelines you are asking us to reference. So... The district assistant superintendent somehow obtained or was sent these photos of the mother and her child along with other family members, and they were sledding. This is, this is, they're outside in the snow. They're sledding. The horror. Shock. Gasp. Horror. They're outside without masks on. The kids are sledding. And he used that as a reason not to open the schools. So nothing to be worried about here, right? Just a school system essentially spying on families and chastising them for what they do on their own time on private property while schools aren't even open for business in the first place. This is how desperate the schools are to stay closed, no matter what, no matter the cost. But even if they open again, this is something else we have to understand. Even if they open again, that doesn't necessarily solve the problem. Here's a video. I want to show you this. A video posted by a teacher uh, of a school that is set to reopen, and she's showing us what the classroom is going to look like with all the COVID regulations and everything. Each desk is encased on three sides by glass. The kids will be in glass cages for class, essentially. Um, and this raises all kinds of problems, as she explains. Listen. I just have a question for the school board. I'm wondering, this is my classroom. I have a rather large classroom compared to the other classrooms in our building. But I have 28 desks in here right now. If we go back five days a week, I'll have 30, 30 or 32 with the kids coming back from virtual. Um, this is the middle seat of the back row of my classroom. This is their view of the board. Um, so I'm just wondering, when we ordered this $5 million worth of plexiglass, did we have a classroom of 28 desks set up to where school board members could sit in them and see what this was really going to be like? Because I'm still trying to figure out how in between my classes am I supposed to disinfect, how I'm supposed to hear my students when they're in the back of the room wearing a mask behind all this plexiglass. Right. How will she hear the students when they try to ask her a question? How will she clean all of these cages before every class? Doesn't this become nothing more than a, a, a container for germs? You put a bunch of little kids around glass. Do you know how smudged and gross that's going to be after, after one class? Are we, are we going to pause for 45 minutes in between each class to, to disinfect everything properly? 
And most importantly, how is this psychologically healthy for kids? To go, to go from school on a computer to school in a glass box. And also, just as importantly, why is it necessary? Where is the proof that any of this will actually make anyone appreciably safer? And here's yet another question to ponder. Why didn't anyone ever, at any point, ever, ever even once suggest anything like this during flu season? Nothing like it was ever suggested. Let me read something else to you. This is, this is a, from a CDC fact sheet, from the CDC, comparing and contrasting the flu and COVID. This is what the CDC says. Okay, so Facebook and YouTube, don't shut me down for misinformation. This is the CDC's own words. Both COVID-19 and the flu illness can result in severe illness and complications. Those at highest risk include older adults, people with certain underlying conditions, pregnant people. Here are the differences, the CDC says. The risk of complications for healthy children uh, is higher for flu compared to COVID-19. However, infants and children with underlying medical conditions are at increased risk for both flu and COVID-19. Okay, higher risk. And then, it, and then it continues, young children are at a young, young children are at a higher risk of severe illness from flu. Higher risk. Higher. Now, this is not, we, we already knew this, but I want to emphasize this, this is what the CDC itself says. An article on the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics website dated uh, December 29th says that 0.01% of children who've gotten COVID have died. Only 1.3% have even been hospitalized. Keep in mind that children are also less likely to contract and get it in, in, to contract it in the first place. So what is the chance that a child will, bo will both contract COVID and have a serious, possibly fatal reaction? You take any particular hypothetical child who right now is healthy, and let's say you're sending them off to school, what are the chances that that child who's healthy right now will have a severe, possibly fatal reaction to COVID? It's very low. Very low. That's what, that's what the numbers tell us. That's what the science tells us. The data is clear. The chances of a child being hospitalized or killed by the flu is also relatively small, but it's higher than it is for COVID. Yet we have never considered any of these measures for the flu. None of them. Now, you can come up with all kinds of excuses and rationalizations for that, right? You could say, well, the concern is that um, kids will pass COVID to adults. Yes, but they're in a low-risk group for that, too. A National Geographic article citing a study in Iceland says that the kids are half as likely to catch and spread COVID, to catch and spread COVID. You could also say, well, there's a, there's a more widely available uh, and used flu vaccine than, than there is for COVID. Fine. I mean, you can come up with other excuses, too. But the point is that we aren't, we aren't taking more precautions for COVID than we did for the flu. It's that we, we took basically none for the flu. While for COVID, we've done, well, all of this. It's not proportional. It's not reasonable. It's not justified based on the evidence or on the precedence of our own past behavior and our own past approach to these sorts of things, especially where kids are concerned. But here's why it happens, right? Kids are shut out of school, are put behind glass, are scolded for not wearing masks while they're playing outside in the snow, are forced into a mental state so desperate that they're hanging themselves, 
All of this happens because our society is one that is totally and completely run by the squeaky wheel gets the oil mentality, right? Never has any society been so utterly invested in that particular way of doing things. Squeaky wheel gets the oil. And the, which means, of course, the people who make the most noise, who do the most whining, who are the most obnoxious, get their way. That's the way it goes. Now, kids make plenty of noise, and any parent will tell you they also do plenty of whining, but they don't make the kind of noise that registers in the public debate. It may register in your eardrums as a parent at home, but uh, it doesn't register in the public debate. In the public debate, it doesn't, it's, it's, it, it's not, their voice is not present because they have no representative. They have no special interest groups. They have no union. They have no celebrity spokesmen. They have no corporate mouthpieces. And because of that, their voice is not heard at all in the public debate. Instead, we hear from the teachers' union, from the grown-ups. We hear from the sorts of people who take photos and videos of other people not wearing masks and shame them on the internet or send them to the superintendent. Those are the ones we hear, and they get their way. The kids, in their silence, are ignored. Now let's get to our five headlines. Before we get into the five headlines here, uh, feeling carsick is not fun. Maybe, maybe we could agree. If you've, if, you've never, if you've never experienced that before, you might not realize how unfun it actually is. But uh, people like myself that deal with that, it, is, uh, it's, it can be pretty disturbing, especially when you're sitting in the back of an Uber or a cab or something, or even you've got a friend driving you, and you're kind of feeling like you might have to be sick. Uh, and you're, you're debating whether to have them pull over to the side of the road. That's going to be embarrassing. It's just, it's not great. And that's why I'm thankful that Relief Band is on the market. Relief Band is here. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that's been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraine, hangover, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, so it's not one of those... Uh, motion sickness pills that you can take that are going to make you drowsy and out of it for the rest of the day. Zero side effects. Um, that's what you get from Relief Band. The technology was originally developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea from patients, but now through Relief Band, it's available to the masses. Relief Band is the only over-the-counter wearable device that's been used in hospitals and on oncology clinics to treat nausea and vomiting. So you know it works. Uh, I use it. My, my daughter has used it, who also struggles with uh, motion sickness as well. If you want to be a part of this, this new year, ensure that nausea is never the reason to miss out on life's important moments. Right now, Relief Band has an exclusive offer just to Matt Walsh listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code Walsh, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and no questions asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use promo code Walsh for 20% off. Day two of our historic winter storm, winter blast. I hope you guys are all staying safe out there. Uh, you know, the problem is that it seems like 12 times a year we hear about historic weather events happening in this country. And after a while, it's sort of like Princess Bride. You think, uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't think that word means what we think it means because we, we use it so often to describe what happens in the weather. Now, I, I, I think in this case, especially with what's happening in Texas where they've got the, you know, sub- sub-freezing temperatures and snow and ice and everything uh, in parts of Texas where they almost never see this sort of weather. So that, okay, is, is um, we would call historic. 
What's happening in Nashville right now, I don't think it's historic. It's like snow and freezing rain. It's not common. It's not historic, though. So in, this may actually qualify, but this is the problem when you, when you use, when everything is dramatic all the time and sensationalized, and you use the most dramatic adjective possible to describe everything, then when, event, when an event actually occurs that, uh, that suits that adjective and you use it, it's lost all meaning. When you call everything historic and then a real historic event happens, what do you call the real historic event? It's like you need a new word or you call it historic and it doesn't, doesn't pack the same punch. Although I still say, uh, historic or not, I still... Like, I've been complaining about this because partly that's what I do. But uh, the, the fact that here in Nashville, they still... Plows have not touched the road. It's been two days now. I haven't seen a plow. And I'm told, and I, I get the people that have lived there a lot here a lot longer than me are telling me that, yeah, well, they don't, you know, it doesn't happen often enough and to, to pay for the plows and, to, to, and to, the maintenance and everything to keep them, just to use them once every few years doesn't make any sense. Maybe so. Maybe so. But for my entitled Yankee mentality, I, the way that I look at it, the way that I, the, the, the way that I operate is if, if there's less than a foot of snow on the ground, I should be able to leave my house and go for a drive. I should be able to do that with less than a foot of snow. I demand it. Squeaky wheel, like I just said. Um, all right, number one. Yesterday, Governor Cuomo gave a press conference, uh, his favorite pastime, of course. Only this time, he was sort of addressing the nursing home scandal, the scandal wherein he sent virus-infected people into nursing homes and uh, thereby condemned thousands of people to death. But he puts the blame on a mixture of people and situations, none of them him, of course. He blames the toxic political environment and, quote, conspiracy theories. Here he is. Listen. So are you really saying that this is sort of the creation of a toxic political environment that's existed for several years in this country and in this day? Look, uh, is the environment toxic politically? Yes. Was this happening last year with this toxic political environment? Yes. Uh, and do I think that's part of the conspiracy theories that filled the void? Yes. And look, uh, I understand politics. I was critical of President Trump. I also worked with President Trump. Uh, I get how strong the feelings are on both sides. But when you're talking about loved ones dying in nursing homes, uh, when you come up with conspiracy theories or this disinformation, then uh, the worst thing you can say to somebody who lost a loved one is maybe it didn't have to be. Maybe there was a government issue. Yeah, toxic political environment. You mean like... Um I don't know, like when you, Cuomo, said that you wouldn't take the vaccine under Trump's administration, you, you actually encouraged people to be skeptical of the vaccine under Trump. And then once Trump was out, you immediately turned around and started scolding the people who were skeptical of the vaccine that you just told them to be skeptical of. Like that kind of thing. It's pretty toxic. I, I agree. This really, I think all of this um, really amplifies the cringe factor in this video, which is, for whatever reason, making the rounds on social media now, but it's from a couple of months ago. This is what aired, if you were 
wondering, which probably you weren't, but uh, when, when Cuomo won his Emmy Award a couple months ago, if you didn't watch that the Emmy ceremony uh, because you realize that you're better off doing literally anything else with your time, this is what aired when Cuomo was awarded an Emmy for his press conferences. This is what they put on the air. Watch. To my governor, the governor of Empire State, Andrew Cuomo. Congratulations, Andrew, on your much-deserved Founders Award. Governor Andrew Cuomo, you are the man. What? I was trying to think of something that I could say to you that would uh, be funny. And so I called your brother Chris, who could not understand why you were getting an Emmy since he's the one on television. In the darkest stage of the pandemic, your daily briefings live from New York gave us hope, gave us clarity, gave us the truth, and gave us something that we were not getting from Washington, leadership. In the midst of this storm, Andrew Cuomo became the nation's governor. People across the country tuned into this press conferences every day. Daily I was watching his press conferences, informing us, telling us what to do. I am really going to vomit. That is, that is truly vomitous, nauseating. My God. And didn't Spike Lee seem drunk there? That was a whole, if you're listening to audio, maybe you couldn't tell the voices. That was a, it was a, a, a compilation of celebrities thanking dear leader Governor Cuomo, Spike Lee being one of them. He seemed kind of drunk to me. Billy Joel, I actually felt sorry for. You saw him there. He was, he, he was reading. He had this whole speech, it looked like, that he was reading. And, but they only put him in the compilation for, for, for nine seconds. And uh, he, he read a three-page, a th- a three he sat down, he's very excited. He wrote, he wrote a three-page report. Uh, on uh, on Governor Cuomo, his whole biography and everything. And he sat there and he read it, and they only took nine seconds of it. So you feel a little bad for him. Well, those are all the celebrities. And this is why uh, you, you can never let the left pretend that the cult of personality around Donald Trump was some sort of unique phenomenon or unique to the right. Uh, well, the left, they never have that. Never let them pretend that. Yeah, there, there, is, there was and is a cult of personality around Trump. I've made it clear many times. I don't think there should be cults of personality around any, any one period, much less any politician. We shouldn't be fans of politicians. We could be supporters, uh, always ready to withdraw that support, you know, at the drop of a hat, really. That's uh, the, the idea of being a fan of a politician or to be loyal. I don't like that word with politicians either. It's not my job to be loyal to you as a politician. It's your job to be loyal to me. No, I'm not, I have no loyalty to you. I'm ready to drop you like a bad habit the minute you get out of line. That's, that is the skeptical, really cynical approach that we should have as Americans to our, to our elected leaders. Um, but cult personality happen on both, on both sides. And think about how quickly and how unjustifiably this cult of personality sprang up around Governor Cuomo. Within, within days... Uh, after a couple of press conferences, all of a sudden we had this kind of thing. People left us practically weeping tears of joy watching this guy give a press conference. All right. Um, speaking of cults of personality, this is from the Daily Wire. A new dating trend called Fauci-ing, Fauci-ing named after Dr. Anthony Fauci. There's another guy that has a cult of personality. The, uh, the popular medical commentator, White House coronavirus advisor, has, this, this uh, trend has singles dumping partners and potential partners who refuse to take COVID-19 mitigation seriously. The trend identified by the dating website Plenty of Fish has been making waves on the internet, the New York Post reports. 
that is expected to be a primary issue for singles in 2021. In an interview with Fauci himself, Axios TV defined the practice as, quote, cutting off a relationship if you don't think that the other person is serious enough about social distancing and taking the pandemic seriously. Um, the, uh, the post notes, the, ter- the term and its definition were coined by dating app Plenty of Fish, which included Fauci-ing in its annual list of top dating trends to expect in the new year. The list released in November also warned singles, singles to watch out for masquerading, where a potential partner only pretends to care about wearing masks in COVID-19 for the sole purpose of dating you. And also apocalypsing, where you treat every relationship like it's your last and get too serious too quick. Okay, well, that last one, that's, that's not a new trend. People getting too serious too quick. There's nothing new about that. I don't think we need a new word, a new cute phrase for it. Um, that's, you know, people becoming, that's called emotional codependence. It's been a thing. It's been a thing in humanity pretty much forever. Uh, masquerading though. See, I see that phrase and I, what I would think that means, and this is another thing as a, as a, I, I imagine as a single person during the pandemic that you have to worry about. I would think that masquerading is uh, when an ugly person wears a mask and pretends to be not ugly and you meet someone and you, you don't really know because they're wearing the mask. I, I would have thought that's what masquerading means. But this is the kind of thing I, I read this, and I, I don't mean to rub it in or anything, but um, every, every day, multiple times a day, especially when I read stories like this, I find myself thanking God that I am married. I'm so happy that I'm not single at this time. I, I thought that before the pandemic started, but even but especially now, what, what do you do? Maybe the only silver lining with this is that I would, I would take it almost... Um, Almost like an anti-Fauci-ing uh, tactic if I was single and dating. A, kind of a reverse Fauciing sort of thing. Where this is an easy way to weed out the paranoid lunatics. So if there is anyone out there who you know wants to wear, you go on a date with someone and uh, you're, you're, you're going for a walk or whatever, you're walking to the restaurant uh, and, and they want to wear the mask while you're walking down the sidewalk. Now, that's that's a good signal to you to drop that person. Don't even bother about going to dinner. Or I suppose that person wouldn't be going to dinner in the first place. That's the thing. If you really, if you're that, quote, serious about it and paranoid, why would you be dating in the first place? That's what doesn't make any sense to me. Even the paranoid people, that's one thing that's frustrated me about this from the very beginning. Even the, the paranoid people, they want to have it both ways. It's like I, I, I mentioned the story um, uh, when I went with my family and our in-laws to a, uh, to a Christmas lights display a couple months ago before Christmas. This is in Indianapolis. And we're outside and, you know, we're, 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 we're distanced. We're socially distanced. We're not, we're not right up on top of anybody else. We're, we're spaced out from everybody. We're walking outside. And yeah, you know, I don't have my mask on. And this, this, woman walks by and she's like 10 feet away and she's holding a cup of like hot cider and she's got the mask on and she starts yelling at me for not having the mask on. And I think, first of all, if you're really that serious about this, that you don't even want to walk outside without a mask on, even when you're 10 feet away from someone, what are you doing at the Christmas lights display? Why did you come here in the first place if you're that worried about it? This, is, this isn't some essential thing to your life that you needed to do. You could have stayed home. No, you came here because you're not that worried about it, are you? 
And that's the, that's the have your cake and eat it too attitude that the, um, even the paranoid coronavirus people have. All right, number three. This is a great tweet from Sean Penn. It says, evangelical leaders should themselves be impeached by the Vatican if they themselves don't follow Nikki Haley's lead and clearly state they should not have followed Satan into the bowels of hell. But perhaps they're too busy at sex parties. What makes this a great tweet is, first of all, he spells Satan, S-A-T-I-N, Satin. So really, they should not have followed Satin into the bowels of hell, which I have to say, Satin is a higher quality fabric than I would expect to find in the bowels of hell. But uh, also the whole idea of uh, the Vatican impeaching evangelicals. As a Catholic, I kind of like the idea. I, I, I sort of like the idea that, that I, as a Catholic, uh, would, would or, that, or at least that Catholic leadership would have the ability to impeach Protestants. I like the idea, but it doesn't quite work that way, Sean Penn, I have to tell you. Number four. From the Sun, it says, the Pentagon has admitted to holding and testing wreckage from UFO crashes in a bombshell Freedom of Information letter shared with the Sun. Researcher Anthony Bregalia um, wrote to the Defense Intelligence Agency requesting details of all UFO material which they hold and, uh, and results of any tests they've been carrying out. He wrote, quote, this could include physical debris recovered by personnel of the Department of Defense as residue, um, shot off material or crashed material from UAU. APS, which is Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, or Unidentified Flying Objects. In the response shared with the Sun, the DIA released 154 pages of test results that includes reports on a mysterious memory metal called nitinol, which remembers its original shape when folded. Regalia said it was a stunning admission from the U.S. government, and the documents reveal that some of the retrieved debris possesses, quote, extraordinary capabilities, including the potential to make things invisible or even slow down the speed of light. It's a fascinating report. And yet again, it's every other week, we get bombshell UFO news from the government. This, this, this isn't stuff from crazy, kooky conspiracy theorists or people on the History Channel, ancient aliens, people with, uh, you know, with frizzy hair talking about how the aliens, uh, the pyramids are spaceships or something. This isn't that. This is, these, are, these are official documents from the government being released. In this case, saying, hey, yeah, we have, we've, we've uncovered UFO material and we've tested it. It has invisibility powers. And this stuff comes out. And as always, the reaction from the public is, oh, UFOs, aliens? Yeah, whatever, big deal. Let's find, let's see another, let's, let's find another video of a, of a lawyer with a cat filter. That's, that's bigger news. Which the cat filter thing was big news. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, I was a big fan of that too, as you know. I just don't understand how no one else seems to care about this. To me, this should be headline news. This should be the thing that we're talking about. But nobody cares. I really do wonder, as I've said before, if, if the time comes, which, which it may, when aliens land, a UFO invasion, Aliens land on Earth. It's all, you know, it's, it's a clear. We all know that it happened. I wonder if that would even make the headlines. Number five, finally, I have to play this for you, and I apologize ahead of time that I have to play it, but I do. Uh, and here it is. Our government's now full of folks who are extraordinary, but I'm especially impressed by the new press secretary 
She's gained a reputation for her brain in every session, as well as for the way she likes to use one pet expression. Circle back, Jen Saki, circle back. That's your way of saying to the media pack. If a fact's in doubt, you'll go find things out and give more details when you circle back. You're no hack, Jen Saki, you're no hack. Even when right wingers go on the attack, you put them in their place with a smiling face. I told you I was sorry, but I, I had to play it. There's the Jen Saki song. We had the Kamala Harris song a couple weeks ago. The only guy who hasn't had a song yet is, is uh, Joe Biden himself. Everyone else in the administration is getting his own song, his own TikTok song, their own, their own TikTok songs. And Joe Biden hasn't yet. I feel a little bad for him. But there it is. There's the Jen Saki song. When I see this, I always think, was there no one for that woman? Is there no one in your life who loves you who would have told you not to do that? Because you know that she, if you've got a song that you've come up with and you're recording it for TikTok, it's guaranteed that you have performed this little ditty for other people in your life before that. And did no one tell you? I know it can be hard. It can be a hard thing to, to say to someone, especially if you care about hurting people's feelings. I don't. So I would, I would have no problem if she, play, if she performed that song for me. I would have no problem saying, that's terrible. Don't ever do that again in front of anybody. I would have no problem with that. Most people do because they're nicer than me. I get it. But if you really love and care about someone, you got to stop them before they embarrass themselves on TikTok. All right, we're going to go now to uh, reading the YouTube comments. Here are some of the comments on the show yesterday. This is from Politics with Cooper. He says, OMG, Matt, who cares about this? When do you actually talk about important things like our messed up healthcare system, our endless wars, and our crappy regulatory system? Well, I have to tell you, Politics with Cooper, all of those subjects bore me to death. I almost fell asleep just reading the comment. That's how boring, even a reference to those topics. Personally, to me, I find incredibly boring. If you want to listen to a podcast, about our healthcare system and regulatory system, you're, you're free to do that. I'm sure there are podcasts that cover that. I don't talk about that here. I don't think that those are the most, I don't think that, they certainly aren't the most interesting topics to discuss. But I always, I, I love comments like this from people getting mad that I'm not talking about something else. I, because I don't understand it. There are a lot of podcasts out there. I mean, there are hundreds, thousands of podcasts talk about all different kinds of subjects. I would never think to tune in to a podcast about a subject I'm not interested in and then get mad at them for talking about that subject. If I don't want to hear that subject, I could just not listen or listen to a different podcast. It's like walking in to a, a, a sandwich shop and yelling at them for not having spaghetti. You walk into Subway and say, why, why don't you guys have spaghetti? I want spaghetti. Well, then go to Olive Garden. That's not what we do here. William Baker says, Matt, I have kid number two on the way. My wife and I are having long, hours-long discussions about what their first name should be. The idea of then picking a middle name seems daunting and pointless. After all, it would only be necessary if they need a trendy name acronym or for their Supreme Court appoint appointment. Would you be willing to cancel middle names so we can focus on other things that actually affect the child? Thanks. 
I think you're looking at this the wrong way, William. I agree with you that the the middle name is superfluous and pointless, but um, that also means you can do whatever you want with it. So if uh, this is what I always say to parents that uh, if you if you for whatever reason feel the need to give your kids some crazy, weird, ugly, stupid name, then put that in the middle. Make that the middle name. Don't 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 give that to your kid as don't force your your child. Don't saddle your child with that as their first name. But with the middle, fine. You can do whatever you want with the middle name. Get crazy, have some fun with it. Whatever you want to do. So it really doesn't matter. There's no pressure. All of the pressure is on the first name. So I wouldn't worry about the middle name at all. If you get the first name wrong, though, you ruin your kid's life. So pressure's on. Jared Hoagland says, Matt, you say you're not worried about gun control or, or the gun control push because gun rights advocates have successfully held their ground. We're able to hold our ground because we do worry. We recognize that our government has successfully passed sweeping assault weapons bans and invasive gun control bills before, and they'll do it again. The government is full of insatiable anti-Second Amendment crusaders, and we barely hold on to our remaining rights by acting as if each new gun bill is the end of the Second Amendment, because it very well might be. Yeah, I totally agree, Jared. That's my point, um, that this is, the, this is the approach that gun rights advocates take, where every, any bill any measure, any policy, you, like you said, you react as though if this thing goes through, it's the end of the Second Amendment, um, not willing to give the slightest inch. And I fully endorse that approach. I think it's the right approach. What I'm saying is that conservative advocates in other areas should look at that as a model. I use the example of, you know, in the pro-life fight. Which, as you know, for me, that's that's one of my primary focuses. That should be the approach. You know, there there is no pro-abortion measure, no pro-abortion policy that we will ever support. Draw the line. We're not going to cross it. Um, so I, I think that's a model. I very much admire it, and I think that it's it's the proof's in the pudding. Okay, let's see here. Um, S. Hutter says, I feel like there's been a bit of a cultural shift in the gun control debate. Actually, I guess this is an autocorrect thing because the actual comment says there's been a cultural shift in the tub control debate. Tub control. Tub control is another important thing. You know, people, because adults using bathtubs, really, once you're over the age of about 11, you shouldn't be taking baths at all stewing in your own filth. It's disgusting. Take a shower. Be, in a, be a grown-up. But anyway, I think, you, I think you meant gun control. So there's been a cultural shift in the gun control debate. Even a lot of people on the left have realized, at least in my circles, that gun control hasn't and won't help. They may support background checks and some restrictions, but no. But I know a lot of liberal people who don't support complete bans. Uh, I even know a self-proclaimed socialist at my work who is super pro-Second Amendment, which is a bit shocking. Maybe this is something that isn't working in the culture anymore. Even if they try to pass federal bans, the states can veto it. And since only super extreme people seem to care, hopefully it won't make traction in the culture either. Maybe I'm being hope hopelessly optimistic now. Um, no, again, I think you're right. I think there has been a cultural shift. Um, it, 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 at least it, it could be temporary, but this does not seem to be the focus of the left right now, gun control. It might be premature to say that they've surrendered on it. I don't know if they've, if they've put up the white flag necessarily, but they seem to have kind of moved on to other things. 
because they've gotten they've been defeated and they figure well we can, this this isn't working and they've moved on to, to other areas. They'll as as Jen Psaki says they'll probably circle back though. But for right now, again, a great example for conservative for people conservatives who uh, focus on other issues. So look at that. And finally, this is from TXRD TV says, Dear Matt, what's the proper flannel to wear when you invite, invite a date over to cannibalistically consume them? Asking for a friend. Well, I guess the, the flannel at that point, don't wear your best flannel, as I guess is what I would say. Although my question is, how do you non-cannibalistically consume someone? Don't answer that on second thought. We know that life insurance is really important, but before policy genius existed, uh, think about how difficult it would have been to find life insurance. You know, all, all of the red tape you have to wade through, and it's just, uh, it could be a very daunting task. Probably one of the reasons why a lot of people didn't get life insurance before Policy Genius. But we don't have to worry about that anymore because we are living in the era of Policy Genius. And Policy Genius can help you check off two big items with ease, compare life insurance rates, and save 50% or more in the process. That means more cash to put towards the things that you care about, whatever that may be. You're going to keep more cash in your pocket. Plus, there's no hassle. That's the part that I like the most. Uh, the licensed experts work for you, not the insurance company, so they can offer unbiased advice when you need it. Here's how it works. First, head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need, and you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Policy Genius will compare policies starting at as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to skip the in-person medical exam uh, as well. You don't know until you try. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. If you hit any speed bumps during the application process, they'll take care of everything. They make it that easy for you. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Uh, if you've been procrastinating with getting life insurance, stop procrastinating. There's no reason to anymore because it's cheap, affordable, easy to do with Policy Genius. If you're worried that March is just around the corner and you've barely gotten anything done, take a deep breath. Policy Genius will help you make the most of this short month in minutes. You could save 50% or more, more by comparing quotes and feel good knowing that your loved ones will be taken care of if anything should happen to you. Go to policygenius.com to get started. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Also, as I'm sure you know, actress Gina Carino has been making her way through the news cycle recently. Uh, she was the star of a hit Disney Plus show, The Mandalorian, and was dropped from the series. You heard all about this story uh, as the Hollywood... The woke mob, the Hollywood mob, is going after any conservatives, and that's why they got rid of her. Now, they come up with their own excuses, but that's the real reason that we all know. At one point in time, that would be the end of the story. Uh, the woke mob tosses someone to the curb, and that's it. That's the last you hear about them, and they go off into obscurity. But that's not the case anymore. That's why we, the Daily Wire, just announced a movie deal with Gina. That's correct. We will be developing, producing, and starring in an upcoming film um, or Gina Carano, Carano will be, I should say, uh, developing, producing, and starring in an upcoming film that would be released exclusively to Daily Wire members. We've all said it. You know, conservatives need to do more than complain and critique. As much as I enjoy doing both of those things, we need to stop running away from the culture. We need to be creators and influencers that challenge the leftist narrative in Hollywood, challenge it directly. And that's what this is all about. Disney Plus has $8 billion to spend per year. We have you, Okay. So join us today in the fight to take back our culture. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe and use promo code GINA, that's G-I-N-A, to get 25% off your membership today. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. 
You know, often on the daily cancellation, I'm going out on a limb on my own to cancel somebody, bravely canceling what nobody has canceled before. But today is a somewhat rare occasion where I will join a pre-existing cancel mob to cancel uh, someone by the name of James Charles. James Charles is a famous YouTuber known for uh, wearing makeup. A while ago, he became a cover girl, even though he's not a girl. And uh, this fact that he's not a girl is something that he apparently needs to be reminded of. Charles is, as the media tells me, facing backlash for a YouTube stunt where he experienced pregnancy for a day. Experienced pregnancy for a day. And by experienced pregnancy, I mean that he wore a prosthetic belly and took some nude pregnancy photos. And that's it. That was the, essentially the extent of his pregnancy experience. Because I know you really want to see it. Here it is. Watch. All of our close friends are all in a group chat together. And a few days ago, we were all joking around with her and she came back at us and said, I bet you could not last 24 hours of being pregnant. And I thought to myself, okay, challenge accepted. So for today's YouTube video, Laura is going to join us and we're gonna be doing a ton of different challenges and tasks to really see if I am strong enough to experience what it's actually like being pregnant for 24 hours straight. Let's get started. You're squishing the baby. Move back. Scoot back. Sorry, please. Please. Twinsies. Oh. Oh, a little sideways tactic. I was insane. You definitely have to be on your knees. Alright, I'm a professional doc. Clearly, since I got pregnant. Mm. Oh, oh, you just kept it out there. She, they, there's two of them in there. I forgot. I'm definitely down on your butt. Yeah. You're, you're having an hip slip. Your entire areola is I am not a girl. So like James Charles, I don't know what pregnancy is like. But I'm pretty sure after having watched my wife go through it several times that it involves more than having to sit sideways at the table so your stomach doesn't get in the way. There are all kinds of psychological, emotional, hormonal aspects to the experience that cannot be replicated. Also bladder related aspects, I'm told. So if you really wanna give pregnancy simulation a shot, you should at least once pee yourself from sitting down too fast or however it works. The backlash Charles is experiencing comes from people claiming that he's minimizing pregnancy and making a joke out of it. I agree that he's doing that. Um, and But I think the canceling should go further because this is not just minimizing, making a joke out of it. This is appropriation. And it is appropriation far more degrading and reductive than, say, a white person wearing a Native American headdress for Halloween. So he should receive a consequence at least as harsh as the one we would dole out for the person on Halloween wearing that costume. The rules should be applied consistently. I am a firm believer that the left should be required to live by its own standards. Even if I don't agree with the standards, these are your standards. You should have to live by them. In fact, I'm the one who shouldn't have to. You, you should have to, not me. So that's why. When it comes to the left standards, I will, I will passionately defend any conservative against the left's standards. But I will take those standards and passionately argue that people on the left should have to live by them. And that doesn't make it a double standard for me. No. Because again, they're not our standards. They're yours. You live by them. I don't care what you think about appropriation or anything else. But you should care what you think. You're the one who thinks it. Now, um, 
In this case, though, it really is appropriation, okay? And it's part of a larger cultural trend wherein men are claiming womanhood for themselves, turning womanhood into a costume they can wear, claiming female spaces for their own, uh, taking what rightfully belongs to women. In fact, the only kind of identity that is actually being appropriated in this culture is womanhood. It's not possible, actually, to appropriate a culture. That doesn't exist. Cultures are fluid. Cultures are ever-changing. Culture is a human construction. Culture is always influenced and always uh, always influencing others. Uh, that's the nature of culture. It, it cannot be taken. It can't be stolen. Somebody participating in your culture is not at all infringing on your ability to experience your own culture for yourself in its fullness. Cultural appropriation doesn't exist. Yet, it's the appropriation that we hear the most about. Female appropriation does exist, yet we hear almost nothing about it. Despite what we're told, sex is not fluid. It is not a construct. It is not a societal invention, unlike culture. What's more, a man participating in womanhood is depriving women of their ability to experience it in its fullness. For example, a man who participates in female sports is effectively taking female sports away from females. And on a deeper level, girls are raised in the belief that their identity, their femininity, their girlhood is mutable, changeable, superficial. I ask the famous question all the time, what is a woman? Well, we live in a culture that cannot answer that question. Therefore, girls are brought up in this culture uh, deprived of an identity that has meaning, deprived of a, of a definable identity. That's the consequence of female appropriation. It's serious. It's real. Everything the left says about cultural appropriation applies here. It doesn't apply there, but it applies here. James Charles is a womanhood appropriator of long standing. This is by far not his first foray into cheapening womanhood, degrading it, using it like a toy. And for that, he's canceled. He should be canceled just as much as any cultural appropriator ever has been, and more, much more. Instead, he'll get some mean internet comments and then continue along with his life, unimpeded, corporate sponsors still intact. Corporate sponsors, by the way, that should be going to women. Real women, not a guy who pretends to be for clicks and clout. So, James Charles is officially canceled. By me, anyway. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. A Democrat congressman calls for a commission to punish conservatives. A very prominent liberal writer admits that there's a conservative blacklist in Hollywood. And global warming alarmists cause a bunch of Texans to freeze. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. 